0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Lots to get to here. We have Heisman finalists. I'm going to ask everybody here to give me the predicted order of finish for the Heisman finalists, uh, Jane Daniels, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, we have some, some interesting coaching carousel updates. You know, schools that I don't know would have made it as high on the rundown if not for the hire, the name of the coaches they have hired. You know, very interesting, arguable upgrades for some group of five programs, a very high-profile offensive coordinator hire, and more. But we are going to begin just sort of with the, the evolving story that is the transfer portal. A couple different players that we want to hit here, a couple quarterbacks, uh, a very important defensive player. 26 years old. I think is where Tyler Shuck is going to be as he's playing like I'm not kidding. like it will actually be his seventh year of college football. As he suits up, he is committed to the Louisville Cardinals. Kentucky, by the way, we'll get to them in just a little bit. As of this morning, uh, they apparently have gotten their quarterback for the twenty twenty four season. So, um, Tom, when we think about Tyler Shuck and you know going to link up with Jeff Brom, before we get to some of the dominoes of what this might mean for other big quarterbacks, as you know the Louisville position, you're saying goodbye to Jack Plummer. There's not an obvious successor right there on the roster. Is it, is this something that we give a, a thumbs up? I've no, had no idea how it will work out. Like what is the Tyler Shuck fit? What is the expectation for him with the Cardinals?
1: Man, Jeff Brom's got a type. Um, <laughs> I, I look at I, it. I, I, I still can't get over the fact he's 26 years old and he's still playing. Like we we've seen this back in the day, like with Chris Wenke and guys who went to go play baseball for a few years and then came back. But it's just strange to me the way COVID has just completely changed all this stuff in the transfer. But, um, I don't, like, if if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm not, like, over the moon about it, but he's the same kind of quarterback I feel like Brahm has had for the last seven, eight years, even going back to Western Kentucky in his time at Purdue. It's just, it's a jagged, jag plushish guy who is going to be able to execute the offense the way he wants, and that's really what he's going for. And I think just getting the experience is probably something important to him too, instead of having to rely on somebody young and my God, does Tyler Shuck have a lot of experience?
2: Well, I was going to say, you were saying it's wild to see somebody, 26 year old, seven years of eligibility. Who's only played about three games consecutively his entire (laughs) career. Like, I don't mean to rip on him, but that's what I would be like. Oh, like another one. Like, Like, right. yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, do we need, like, that's the biggest concern of all. And I like, I don't know what he was paid, but and I don't know, but I would hope he's coming in to compete. You know, like if this is your answer, I'd be I'd be worried if I'm a Louisville fan. So, yeah. like, I think it's a good addition to add some depth. But like, if this is going to be your guy, what's the deal with Jack Plummer? Is he eligibility done? He doesn't have an eight year. <laughs> Has to be right. Like it, he, right. I mean, because Purdue he was, and then Cal and he, I
0: don't know. He, I don't know. he. Uses, right. Think about it. He uses the one time to get to Cal. And then he uses the grad transfer to get to Louisville. I haven't added up his four to play five or I guess like six to five. Because he was five. at
2: Purdue before then for two years, years, I think. So yeah. he might have been at Cal for two and then at Louisville for one. So maybe it is done. But I, I just like I said, I hope there's depth there. I hope it's not just him. Like, And I'm sure they won't because I'm sure they're aware of the history too. Well, they, they
3: signed Pierce Clarkson last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, who was a, a fairly highly rated guy? Like maybe that means he's not like super ready to take over the reins this year. Uh, Louisville's schedule does get more difficult next year. Like we, we talked about that often and early in this offseason uh, about how they had a real opportunistic schedule this year. Then it's going to come back around on them a little bit more in 24. I, I'm interested in sort of the the, the downstream effects of this. So mm-hmm. Tyler Van Dyke was, was very much rumored to go to Louisville. Like where does he go now? Right. Um, Louisville was also reported to be in the DJ uh, Uyungle sweepstakes with FSU. Does that mean U is going to go to FSU now, like locked up or will another team jump in there to try to compete with the Knolls uh, for that one? Like there's a lot of different, the, the, the domino effect in the portal is, is very real. We, we've spoken about how everybody's sort of waiting to figure out where does Cam Ward go? And what's the, what's the dollar figure there? Uh, but it, it, Almost all of these decisions have implications.
0: Do you think that it is as cold as, um, and I'm not trying to expose anything major here, but do you think it is as as cold as the the number for for some of these domino effects, or do we still have like some ties to your classic recruiting relationships, scheme fit, you know, those sorts of things as well? Because you mentioned, you know, like uh, DJ Uyunglele is is going to be out there. The Cam Ward certainly seems like the 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 high profile one, but you know, like we talked about, is Dylan Gabriel going to be at Mississippi State? And if Mississippi State can't get Dylan Gabriel because Dylan Gabriel is looking somewhere else, you know, I guess he's on his official visit. Uh, Pete Dammel, I think, reported he's on his official visit to Oregon right now. Riley Leonard on an official visit to Notre Dame. Like the pieces are starting to fall into place a little bit. Do you think it's, it's still a little bit of relationship and recruiting? Or do you think that right now in the free agency market, it is, it is just cold. Like what is the number going to be and who can get the best number?
3: For guys who have legitimate NFL aspirations, the fit and the system and the development has to matter. Right. Right. Or for else are idiots. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like For guys who don't have legitimate NFL tools, they just happen to be really good at the sport of college football, then it makes more sense for them just to chase the biggest bag. And oftentimes, like the place that's the best fit may also give you the biggest bag because they probably need you pretty bad. What about the value of the degree? Well, like it's a 40-year decision for uh, for Riley Leonard, right? <laughs>
2: that's what they say. But no, I do think that's where you need good representation, good supporting, like your family, your agent, your you know whoever you're talking to that you're getting advice from. I think it's critically important. And I, I know a lot of coaches have said this, well, like don't just go for the bag because you might get the bag in the short run, but the much bigger bag is waiting for you if you can pay this thing off. Like I think Penix, I don't you think Penix probably increased his stock more than Nick's. Or do you think it's about the same? Like both of those guys, I know it was easier for Penix because he reunited with Deboer, but I thought both of them made outstanding decisions. I do wonder if Bo Nix, if people start really diving into the tape, they're like, Oh, and then they go back and look at what happened to Dallas, you know, at Auburn and the sec. They're like, Oh, it's a little bit easier to play here. So I don't know if he's necessarily a first rounder. I'd be surprised. But like, I think Penix is somebody you saw the way he's stretching the field vertically, arm strength, accuracy i thought he he made himself a ton of money by making the right decision
0: um what are some of those other downstream pieces that you're looking for bud where where does howard from kansas
3: state go right like is he a guy who could be a good fit for nebraska i I actually kind of think so and if i'm nebraska if they could pull that off I, i think you'd have to be uh pretty excited there you know um do you think
0: I, that Florida State's uh, in the lead for DJU? Because Mississippi State, I guess, might would would have been the other sort of rumored potential target, right? Am I reading that correctly? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I um,
3: I don't think Florida State is likely uh, with, DJ, with with uh, Dante Moore. Um, you know, he, he's still out there. I, yeah, I think FSU is probably in a, a good spot for DJU. I, I don't think it's locked up or anything like that. Um, and I would tell you guys if I thought it was, but I think they're probably in a decent spot. But as as the boards sort of evolve, different teams are going to get more involved. So that's what I want to see. Like Everybody knows Louisville's out. Louisville has some real NIL money. So they've made their call.
2: We'll see who else makes a call. Does it tell anything? Because I think the, the reality in a lot of this, and I think we talked about this, was that some of these guys, they're going to get the payday. Other guys have been cut, you know. Yeah unintended Oh, no, you know. like when you enter the
0: transfer por- like so uh, we we'll us go ahead and mention it Brock Vandegrift hits the portal and he's in the portal for two days and now he's committing to Kentucky like
1: just really liked what they had to say for five minutes later
0: <laughs> I mean that clearly is I, I mean not clearly my assumption is Carson Beck's coming back and Brock Vandegrift is like well I'm, I'm not going to play and I don't want right. to sit around another year and that's right. not getting cut as
2: much but well, that is like I was thinking much- of Kyle McCord you know I was thinking oh. of Dylan Gabriel yeah you know those guys who had really good years and I could say you could argue Dylan Gabriel had a much better year than Kyle McCord did you know falling short of expectations fan criticism but uh, in not that a situation where you wouldn't be surprised if his people went and were like hey all right what's the number this year and it's like oh we might want to go a little less or whatever or maybe it's off the table altogether and then it's legitimately like you are not going to get anything. You can come back cuz we can't take away your scholarship, but if you want any NIL money, you better go look elsewhere. That's where I think like there's good and bad and I think that's one of the things that it really is like the NFL. If you don't perform, you might not have that offer on the table and it's your best interest financially to go somewhere else.
0: What's the situation with Pat Payton at Florida State? Good defensive player, came on strong this year, exceeded I think expectations? Is that fair? Maybe not internally, uh, but externally. He was not he was not one of the first names mentioned when we were talking about Florida State in July.
3: I mean, I think Pat Payton's a really good player. You know, like he's not as good as Jared Verse, but he's still like a really good player. And so he tweeted that he was going to go in the portal. An apology, right? Sorry, Knowles fans. Sorry, Knoll so, Nation or whatever. Yeah, but but you don't enter the portal via Twitter. You enter the portal via going in and talking to compliance and submitting your paperwork. That hadn't happened. So to me, this looks like a leverage play. Now, if I'm a player, I can't begrudge a guy for doing it. We, we, we can sit here and talk about, hey, like we shouldn't negotiate via social media. And I think that's fair. And yeah. if you run FSU, you have to be like, all right, how many times is this going to happen? Because, you know, like Farmer last year hit the portal, found out the money wasn't what he thought it was going to be out there, in my opinion, had to come back. We'll see if, if Peyton actually follows through and hits the portal. I think he really might. Right. Like if you're FSU or any of these schools, really, you don't really want to set the precedent that like you're going to get strong armed via social media negotiation. You know, Um, we'll see. I I think, I think Peyton's a hell of a player. At a certain point, though, the best competing offer is going to come from the NFL. Like Todd Peyton may, may just decide, like, like maybe he decides to go to the NFL. They, uh, they're visiting. Like four or five defensive ends already, and like three defensive tackles. So, I could see Farmer leaving as well, potentially. You know, if, Is that if for it,
0: portal additions or high school portal.
3: Wow. Dude. So I, I don't know. I don't think this caught FSU completely off guard with because of some of the guys who run together and are tight, and some of the negotiation tactics from the past. Uh, you know, the past year.
2: This is why everybody
3: gets him. He's, he's a stud. Like, like we should not discount how good of a player Peyton is. Like he is really damn good.
2: This is why coaches are pounding the table for regulation. They want to be able to control that. I mean, again, this is where college football players have more leverage than NFL players. Brock Purdy, great season. Last year gets hurt. Maybe, you know, this year he's in the MVP conversation. Second year. He can't go out and test the market. He can't go out there and say, hey, I want to go see where I want to go. No, but like you are under contract and the team can decide. He could hold out. He could stay out the year, but no one's going to do that. Every single year, anytime you have a good year, especially if you're graduating, you haven't used that one time, you can go say, hey, I'm going to test the market. I'm going to be a free agent every season. You can do it multiple years in a row. Dude, this is... Did Sorry. Pat Payton
1: announce that he was entering the transfer portal before or after Florida State was bragging about all the new NIL contributions it got following being left out of the playoffs? Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's a good point. <laughs> like, you sit there, you're on Twitter, you see Florida, we've got, like, another million dollars in donations just yesterday. And then he's like, I Ooh. am entering the
3: transfer <laughs> <Yes>. portal.
1: <laughs> I, I
3: think that goes on a lot of these. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you have to, right?
2: I've been really torn on that because, you know, I had a, a philosophy I would have liked to adhere to. And it's been like, hey, if you don't want to play here, go. You know, that was often my conversation, like with Jimbo. Jimbo was flirting with every season, like trying to drive his price up. And it bothered me. I didn't like it. But it's really hard to, uh, hard to fault a player for taking advantage of the system. But I do think Bud makes a great point. Like, how about that decision-making process of, do you want to set that precedent of, oh, all right, we'll pay you. when We'll match. Cause then, what are those teammates going to see? Hey, yeah. he just got matched. But I guess that's just it's a harsh reality of what we're dealing with.
0: Uh, we'll be a little bit later getting into a potentially landscape changing proposal uh, from the NCAA president Charlie Baker that includes schools being able to pay the players directly, and that. It would be one way that would at least change some of the economics of this transfer portal time. Uh, how will it change? We'll we'll take our best guess at some of that uh, a little bit later. Any other names? Jeff Sims entered the portal. Whoopsie Daisy King. Whoopsie Daisy. Um, and any other names that uh, that pop up since the last time we uh, we got together?
3: I hope he finds someplace good. Heck yeah. I I, I always really enjoyed covering Jeff Sims. I, I thought he was a, a you know a real nice kid to talk to, and and has. You know some ability. It, if he ends it ends up like a G five or something, I, I, it wouldn't shock me to see him have a good year. You I, absolutely. You put you put him. I mean, oh, DaQuan the, Finn from Toledo entered. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fancher from Marshall entered. Hmm. I don't think he's special. I'm not saying Daquan, bad.
1: DaQuan Finn could be very good at the P five level.
3: Taylen Green, uh, I believe, either tweeted or actually entered. But State Ashton
0: game. Ginty came back.
3: Yeah, yeah. that's now that's a pretty good get for Boise. Like, there's a lot of teams yeah. out there to think Ashton is like legit.
0: Maybe they uh, because they just promoted Spencer Danielson. There's just like a little bit more booster money lying around since we don't have to go and like poach somebody new. I, th- I think that is a great allocation of funds with to us uh, get them in the pockets of one of the top running backs in the country this year.
2: Curtis, Bruce, yeah, the chat pointed Sorry. that out. I mean, that's, again, and I think I've given this analogy on here before. I mean, what you're seeing is it's like minor league baseball. There's single A, which is FCS. You, know, you get a Cam Ward, it pops up. You have double A, which is probably the MAC, And then, unfortunately, you know, triple A is becoming maybe the ACC and Big 12. And then the big leagues are, you know, ultimately the NFL. But then it's right before there, you know, is is the SEC and Big 10. And that's what we're looking at. Um I don't want to get there too fast because I know we want to talk about the coaches, but we were talking about Will Howard. Does it tell you anything if Colin Klein doesn't bring him with him?
1: It could, but it could also just say Will Howard doesn't want to go to Texas AM. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or Texas right. AM doesn't or want Ma- Will Howard.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, or Mike Elko has like other other Connor plans. Yeah. 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 So that that would make sense uh to me. Uh, for Jeff Sims um t.j flint t.j finley was at two sec schools but then he gets to texas state that's a pretty good season you know like there's you're at georgia tech you're at nebraska you you might there's definitely a, a way that he could be a very very good g5 quarterback so uh will be interesting to continue to track that one coming up on the other side the heisman trophy finalists have been announced we are going to predict the order of finish for Saturday night, plus some coaching carousel updates, as Danny just mentioned, and trying to figure out what exactly might happen if we move forward with this latest NCAA proposal that includes another splitter division and paying athletes. Next.
4: Selling a little or a lot. up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
5: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Back here
0: on the Cover 3 podcast. And yes, if you're watching live on youtube.com slash Cover 3, then you just saw an ad Oh, just getting chills thinking about it. Army Navy coming up this Saturday. You can watch it on CBS. You can stream it on Paramount+. Plus. We will be doing our locks for Army Navy on Thursday. But that's not all we're going to do. I know that an entire hour of nothing but Army Navy locks and props, that would get you all all hot and bothered. You, you'd be excited about that. But an old feature. It's time to bring it back. It is time to... Blow the dust off that big old bag of mail. So, on Thursdays, I'm going to try to make a good note of this. We're going to try to tackle a few mailbag questions, sometimes a lot, but with the other business going on, we're going to try to make sure we get in those mailbag questions. You go give us a five star review in that review. You put your mailbag question, uh, we'll tackle it in a future mailbag segment again. So, Thursday, uh, we're going to break back open the big old bag of mail. Uh, We appreciate all the interaction and the conversation that we get from that. So, University of Oregon's Bo Nix, U- University of Washington's Michael Penix Jr., LSU's Jaden Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr. from The Ohio State University. Danny, what order? Let's line them up one through four. How do you think they'll finish on Saturday?
2: Um, the way they're written right there. Uh, Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to run uh, win in a landslide. I think Penix should Overtake Bo Nix. He's two and zero against him. I know Bo Nix had an insane statistical year, but I do think you have to look at the head that mat head head that matters. And then I think Bo Nix comes in, and then Marvin Harrison Jr., who was kind of, I was surprised he got invited because it was such a three man race. But I don't have a problem with it. I think he comes in fourth. Tom, am I allowed to say?
0: I I didn't ask you to say you don't have to say what was on your ballot. This is well, pred- thanks
2: for letting me get fired first. No 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 <laughs> no, no, no no we're, we're, we're not. <laughs> we that pred- was not my ballot. I'm saying prediction. Yeah. Or do I'm, you have a vote? Yeah yeah, yeah yeah I've got a ballot too. All you guys vote for the Heiser? We
1: yeah. Got right. We
2: got Bud. We'll get him. They hand him out like skittles. We'll get you one.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> if I predict my predicted order of finish would be Daniels, Nick's, Penix, Harrison
0: we're also doing uh, a prediction one through four and the ballot is one through three. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I want to make it clear. That's my prediction. I voted for John Paddock.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The legend of John Paddock.
1: I can't even say his full name on the air.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: What are you with it too?
1: I think it's the
3: same order that, that, that uh, producer Josh put on, put on the screen.
2: Do we all think it's a blowout? Yeah. 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 yes. Do we all think it should be? I can't say. Like, does anybody want to pound the table for anybody else besides Jaden Daniels? Because I think it's pretty obvious. Like if you just watch the tape, and I know the three losses are there, but I mean, everybody except Florida State, <laughs> he balled out against. Yeah,
3: he, he would have put. He would have put forty something on Bam had He not got hurt. So
2: I, yeah. w-
0: without without diving too much into uh, without trying to reveal too much, I was surprised Marvin Harrison Jr. was included. If there was another name that was going to get invited, I thought it was going to be the hero of the Iron Bowl who led his team to a win in the SEC championship game. Um, and with all the conversation around Alabama, I, I would not be surprised if this is the one through four and that Milrow might be fifth. Given
3: I mean, given what the committee did, it wouldn't have shocked me if they put Milrow in. But like, on numbers, that would be an egregious choice.
0: Listen, that's it, it's it's just outstanding. That is, you're only voting for the most outstanding player in college football, and they need to be a student at an American university. I mean, you, the way that I was reading it, you could put an FCS player up there.
1: I would, <clears throat> I would just say, for Harrison's inclusion, let's not forget that the voting is broken down by region. Yep, and yeah. obviously. You, you knew Daniels was going to get a ton of votes. You knew Penix was going to get a ton of votes. You knew Nix was going to get a ton of votes. As for after that, when it was still kind of wide open, there's an entire Midwest region who's probably voting for Marvin Harris. That's how he got to be a finalist.
0: But to the point about Daniels is he was outstanding. Like the we don't it's the award isn't saying best player on a team that has two or less losses. Mm-hmm. The two most out, it's the m- most outstanding player. Day, Jane Daniels was. Absolutely outstanding he's for most right. of the season. He was he's okay.
2: He's, he's no okay. John He's very similar, I think, to RG3. You know, his year when he won at Baylor, I think they mm-hmm. had three losses. But every time you watched him play, he was like a highlight reel. He was the first guy that I remember seeing the stat about more touchdowns and incompletions. And it went through like four games. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it wasn't just one game. It was pretty remarkable. And I think that's what Jane Daniels did. When you put up his, what do you put up his numbers? And more importantly, I do think when you watched him play, it was like, Oh, this guy's the best guy in college football. I, I'm just so impressed
3: by how much he improved.
0: That was what yeah. I talked about today on CBS sports HQ. He's our quarterback on the CBS all America team. And that, I actually cited you um, your, what was your line last year? He was turning touchdowns into first downs. And now this year he's turning first downs into touchdowns.
3: Yeah. It, it, I think it was, was it Jim Negge or Somebody on Twitter that, that who I follow said like, now he's the best deep ball thrower in the draft. Like, holy cow. Talk about improvement there. That is I and mean, last year. He was, I, I was at the bowl game against Purdue and Purdue had a, a skeleton crew out there. And I mean, it, it was kind of the same thing. Like, damn, you could be up by 50 in the first half if we can hit a couple more of these throws. And, uh, you know, this year just – he was banging them. He was really good.
2: So, Ottawa Traveler chimes in win lo- wins and losses matter. Uh, when we were talking about QBs, Daniels has three, Penix has zero. Of course, caught talking about the losses, I mean, I, I feel like I'm Giselle, but what do you want him to do, go out there and play defense too? You know, like, do you want him to sack the other quarterback? I – and I, it goes back to the whole thing. Wins aren't a stat. You can get fooled. I used to really bother that because I, I think ultimately, like, yeah, do you want your QB to be a winner? Of course. But it's not, it's not a prerequisite that you have to be undefeated. It's just the best player. And unfortunately, his defense was a hot mess. Yeah. That,
1: the thing about Daniels is if he's playing on Georgia and has these numbers, most of it was stat padding. Playing for LSU this year with these numbers, they, they needed, needed it. most yes. of those yards and touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't just doing it for fun, right? Yeah. So and like you, you could go out and make a really, sp- and he did it.
2: That's why I wasn't so sure about Bo Nix going into the Pac-12. I know he was the favorite going into the Pac-12 championship. It's kind of like we haven't seen him in a lot of high stress situations. I mean, it's kind—you of, go out there and you're up, and then it is a lot of stat padding. And I know he's incredible, but. When you have to go out there every single drive, and if you don't score, you're losing by three touchdowns. But you know, like every time you have to score, every third down you have to convert. That to me makes it more impressive. There were a
3: couple games where I bet LSU that I was, I really felt like they were trying to stat pad for Daniels. Georgia State was one. Yeah. Um, but like in other games, their defense was just so in- incompetent uh, because they had all their guys out. Mm-hmm. We'd pr- after like what well, when was the uh, when was the Bama game? Like Halloween?
0: No, November. Yes, right after November fourth.
3: Yeah. yeah, basically like at that point forward. Like okay, LSU is officially out of defensive backs. This is going to be a problem. Like you, there's no practice squad to call guys up from in college. If you're out of guys, you're out of guys, and the replacement uh, is a stark drop off. So yeah, I, I think the Georgia State game was stat padding for sure. Uh, a little bit in the Army game, but not much.
0: So. Um, one last a little awards thing, and it I don't think I'm spoiling the embargo. Eleven a m Eastern time was when the c b s sports all American team went live on the site. Um gonna, we had a black you out
1: chip. They're gonna just come put a bag over your head and drag you away.
0: Adam Silverstein <laughs> hits the button and all of a sudden my stream <laughs> gets cut. Um, so we had a tie for the top of the wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. got as many voting points as Washington's Roma Dunze. They are both finalists along with Malik neighbors for the Bolitnikoff Award, which will be handed out on Thursday. Do you think there's any chance that Marvin Harrison Jr., though a Heisman finalist, will not win the Bolitnikoff?
1: Yes.
3: I don't how do we handicap this without knowing what the electorate's like? Like how many people who follow the sport like we do vote and how many people who don't follow the sport that
0: much vote i would guess the Bolitnikoff award is a smaller voting body than the heisman trophy
2: i think so too and is that out of tallahassee but it is right yeah yeah so i think uh you know i think's a voter i think dusty's a voter for the boletnikoff i'm a voter I'm
1: a
3: Oh shoot! I forgot to text Dusty's producer to do serious yesterday. Okay. Oops. I, 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 normally, like if I can't do it, I'll just tell him no. I, I just I, I forgot to hit it back. I'll relay the message. All right. <laughs> I wasn't ghosting you guys. Um. All
0: right. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. There has been some movement at the coaching ranks. So let's take a spin on the coaching carousel. After approximately 47 years of the Rick Stockstall era at Middle Tennessee, we have a new head coach of the Blue Raiders football program, and it's a familiar name, former Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason, who is also defensive coordinator at Stanford, defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, defensive coordinator at Auburn uh, as well. Uh, He will be the new head coach at Middle Tennessee. Also, former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall has agreed to be the new head coach at New Mexico. Before we get to the high-profile coordinator hire here, um, Danny, which of these two, Derek Mason to middle or Bronco to New Mexico, uh, stand out the most to you or, or spark some kind of intrigue?
2: Um, I think they're both interesting. They're both kind of similar, right? Guys yeah. that have had you know top-tier experience, SEC, ACC, but also experience at schools where it's a little bit harder to win and have had to be more developmental programs, which is what I would describe. I'd say middle Tennessee is a better job. Uh, shout out to Jordan, who's not here, but I do think it's better regionally, um, you know, where it is. New Mexico, you guys remember this. I called a game a couple years ago, and it's, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. The, res- the facilities aren't great. The history's not great. Uh, but I do think, you know, Bronco will have an experience there where he coached uh, Brian Arlacher. You know, he's familiar with that territory. You know, I think they're both kind of solid hires. I think you get big names. Maybe that's what you need to infuse some life into ticket sales and to maybe, I don't know what their NIL market's like, but I don't think it's great. But maybe that helps to get some name recognition that'll excite a fan base. Um, so I think they're both like solid hires. <laughs> C plus, right? <laughs>
0: you know? Hey, listen, this is the Jerry Kill effect. Right? Yeah, ah, see- a great
2: point. Boy, we see what line. he was
0: able to do at New Mexico State, and then all these other programs. Like, okay, I mean, could you imagine what that New Mexico-New Mexico State game is going to look like? Jerry Kill against Bronco Mendenhall. Oh, this is an awesome coaching matchup. Yeah. And I think Derek Mason at Middle Tennessee's the the same thing. Just you're you're you are getting instead of trying to be a, a spot where a coach on the rise is going to have to use limited resources to just make it work. You are getting experience, and you're getting someone who's probably not going to look to hop. Somebody who's going to invest several years into trying to really be able to build. I love for uh, ESPN's David Hale mentioned that uh, in terms of uh, land and places to ride your bike, Broncos a great fit at New Mexico. I mean, we heard about how he had to like move a whole farm from Provo to uh, Charlottesville. I don't know what what kind of land he's getting, but I'm sure that he's going to enjoy all the outdoors time uh, around there. And then Derek Mason, you know, you do have at least the familiarity with the state from his time at Vanderbilt as well. So I'm, I'm calling this one, the Jerry kill effect.
2: Great point. It's so, it's just human nature, I guess, you know, we've seen these cycles take place before when remember when Sean McVay was in the NFL, like, All of a sudden, it was the McVay tree was the hottest thing, and it lands Cliff Kingsbury a job Mm -hmm. after Texas Tech where he can't even go 500, and they're like, well, he knows them. (laughs) Let's go. Like That was the tie. I think it's just human nature to look other ways and say, man. I mean, even when Dion was promoted, look at all the other former players who were hired at HBCUs. Eddie George. like There was a a slew of them. It's just human nature to see something work and then say, oh, yeah, we can go do it, even though it's (laughs) zero guarantee that it'll work.
1: I, I really like the the Bronco hire at New Mexico just because, I mean, I've been a Bronco stand for years now. I just always enjoy the way his teams play because they're fun and they're also kind of mean and right. almost dirty, and I kind of appreciate that. So that'll be fun to see him back in New Mexico. I'll enjoy watching those games late at night. The Derek Mason one is interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll admit one of my first thoughts was because he was at, what, Vandy for seven years, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, does he still have a house in the area? Like, I wonder if it's like, I mean, think about it. Like he might still have. So he might have saw that job come open and said, you know, you might think maybe he could play, he can wait it out, maybe get a bigger job at some point down the line. But he might be thinking, no, I like living there for seven years. I like the area. I've still got a house there. This could work out pretty well for me. So I think that's a very good hire for middle. I think that Derek, I mean, obviously they didn't win a bunch of SEC titles and go bowling every single year. But I think if you look at the overall job he did at Vandy, you could say it was a decent job. And then you could say he's been a very good defensive coordinator. So when you're middle Tennessee and you're replacing Stockstill, who's been there for 75,000 years to get somebody who's familiar with the area, who has plenty of head coaching experience, who's been a very good coordinator. I think it's a solid hire. It's the kind of direction you should be going.
3: I, I'm actually like pretty, uh, pretty excited about both hires. Um, both these guys are, Good football coaches, and those are hard jobs to win at. Uh, everybody talks about like the potential of Middle Tennessee, given how close it is. But I don't know. I mean, m- maybe there's potential. Maybe there's not. I, in that league, it, the rest of them kind of just have to look around and realize that like, like you're you're playing for second most of the years. I I, I strongly believe that.
0: You're talking right. So, because in Conference USA, you've got Jamie Chadwell, you've got Jerry Kill, you've got Rich Rodriguez. Now you've got um, Derek Mason. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, like I, I really really like the Mexico State staff, uh, but I do think there's a pretty strong argument that Liberty has the best staff, and there's no argument as to resources. Like Liberty might have more resources than like the next three teams combined. Yeah. So it's it's going to look a lot like. When Danny was at FSU and they had just joined the ACC, like, I don't know when Liberty's going to lose its first Conference USA game, but I mean, it may not be for a couple of years.
0: Is this a, is this overreaching? This feels like a February take, but um, is Tyson Helton, is it, this is this kind of a big year for him? Make sure he doesn't start losing ground fast because Western Kentucky was rolling, right? Just sort of the class of the conference, stacking division titles, stacking conference titles. They don't end up going with the big exodus to the American Athletic Conference. If you look at pedigree, you would assume, oh, wow, they're going to run this. But boom, in comes Liberty. And now we've got this, what New Mexico State has been. Um, We've got what Jacksonville State was able to do right away. Feels like you're if you're Western Kentucky... And the toppers are kind of at risk of just kind of falling to the middle of that league unless they're able to, to really start stringing some success together.
1: Delaware's coming too. They've been a pretty solid FCS program over the years.
3: When I, when I watched, I mean, and they, they play on CBS Sports Network a lot. So, like, we, we've seen Western play quite a bit. They, they felt top-heavy to me. Like, they were very dependent on a few stars. Uh, the, the safety who made, like, all the tackles for loss – they had one really good DN who got hurt. He's from Georgia, I know. Uh, and then they had, what, Malachi Corley and then Austin Reed. Mm-hmm. But, like, the rest of the roster didn't look all that great to me. So I do wonder if it's a thing where that was a – not a blip, but sort of a blip where you had all those transfers in. They they brought the Houston Baptist squad over. They were really good in 21. They were still damn good in 22. Not quite as good this year. I, I yeah, I, that's tough because other programs may be getting their act together a little more there. But like, what does what La Tech do? I guess they're keeping Sunny hey, coming.
0: I, I would say that Louisiana Tech is another one that you're looking at. Obviously, UTEP is mate. Oh, cr- UTEP hasn't hired, right?
1: No, they did. Uh, Bryant. Uh,
0: Bryant Vincent. Vincent. York, yeah. Old UAB York. interim coach. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad hire either. I, I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did too. He was handed a tough hand and did a really good job with that Blazers program. Uh, when friend of the Cover Three podcast, Bill Clark, ended up stepping away for health issues, um, you know, he, he got that team to a bowl game. So, uh, nice going, we're less
3: of the like. Do we do we think we're seeing less of like the lower lower resource programs go for the shoot the moon hire? Yes. Like, I'm, not seeing a, I'm not seeing a whole lot of like the hey this guy's a great recruiter let's see what he mm-hmm. can do type thing. I think we're seeing more like hey, this guy's proven to be pretty competent. You know, our, te- our team is not likely to be a, a, a cluster with this guy
1: here. I would, I would have to imagine that's kind of a reaction of the fact that, you know, we're not really 100% sure what this sport's going to be in five years. So I think a lot of programs are trying to play it safe because they don't want to bottom out. They're just trying to get competence.
0: You do still have things. I mean, like, you know, Fran Brown just got the Syracuse job. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like but- there, there are still like G.J. Kinney to Texas State. Like you, you are still having some of those where mm-hmm. I think that in both those examples, if I correct me if I'm wrong, in both those examples, we have pretty significant local ties where yeah. you're bringing them. And you're also knowing that they're going to be able to tap into, um, you know, the high school football scene, you know, just sort of uh, overall connections that are going to be able to benefit them in the area.
2: Are we gonna be a Syracuse pod after the Fran Brown intro presser where he came and brought girl dad? Yeah, exactly, girl dads unite. I'm wearing pink today and everything. Let's go just for him. So the clip that I saw already had music under it. I need to go
0: to the original press conference so I can lift the audio, and then I need to get in the lab and create a new. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe instead of the Dino Drop, it's the Fran Brown bomb. A
1: Brown bomb, yeah,
0: yeah, Brown bomb. So it. It was a it was a good one. I mean, he he basically said, you know, I'm I'm gonna be here for ten years. So, and if he's there for ten years,
2: that's a great thing. A great <laughs> thing. Great, he must be
0: crushing yeah. it. Yeah. Um. All right. With the, from the assistant coaching ranks, we've got Kansas State offensive coordinator Colin Klein is on his way to join Mike Elko's staff at Texas A and M. Colin Klein, you will remember, was a candidate for the Notre Dame job last off season. Uh, former Kansas State, great, you know, beloved in all of our hearts from that 2012 season. Mm-hmm. That's yep. all right. Yeah. Um, what's the what, what's the play here for for Klein to Texas A and M? Mike Elko, what was it? Right when the Mike Elko hire is announced, uh, our entire cover three tailgate. Love the hire, very interested in his OC. Love the hire, very interested in his OC. A lot of people couched their grade of the Mike Elko hire based on the offensive coordinator hire. Danny, does this do you would you say that this is moving along as planned? Strong hire, you know, good early signs for head coach Mike Elko.
2: Yeah, I like uh I like everything about him, everything we've seen, the development he's had there, playing multiple quarterbacks the last couple years. I always love the fact that he played. The position shouldn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter, but I kind of like it. I think you see his offense almost take off a little bit of a personality the way he played, a little bit more of a running-style quarterback. Uh, But I think a guy who's young, who probably relates really well to the players, I bet he's good on the recruiting trail. And X's and O's, I've liked the innovation he's brought to the offense. You know, and especially, like, you kind of do more with less, right? You don't have the resources that you have at Oklahoma or Texas in the Big 12, and you've been able to maximize it, develop players. I think all of it. Makes it a really solid hire.
0: Yeah, Kansas State's skill on paper—you weren't going into the year like, "Oh man, game changers!" And yet they still. You can look up at the end of the year, you know, especially after they got through that bumpy little beginning, and found ways to get it done.
1: You look at the draft. Kansas State's had almost as many skilled players make the NFL lately as A and M has. Um, I. I really like the hire. I, I, I just, I mean, I base it off of watching Kansas State's offense. I think Kansas State has a fun and enjoyable offense. So even just from that perspective of, you know, if you're a fan of a team, cool, I'm going to watch an offense that's fun. And it's not the style especially if you're an A&M fan and you've been having to watch Jimbo and his 7,000 page playbook for the last few years and everything is very slow moving and developing and robotic and blah, blah, blah. This is not that. It's not like up tempo, but it is much more of a free flowing kind of rhythm offense that I think is better suited for today's game and also more enjoyable to watch. I mean, we
3: what do we call Texas A and M, Texas ATM? Yeah. <laughs> Klein has had like looks from what Penn State and Notre Dame in, in recent years. So, mm-hmm. my guess here is that he got a pretty nice bag from A and M. I think he'll do well there. Like, I I I like the staff that they're putting together there. I think Elko will do a good job at AM. It doesn't seem like it. it doesn't seem like they're playing a part. It just seems like they're just going to hire good football coaches who work hard and, and, Yeah, they're not collecting names. They're collecting coaches. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm struggling for words today. That that's exactly it. man. By the way, Tom has been on a heater lately with takes. We were putting together like the a surprise episode for y'all. <laughs> i've got like a million awesome takes dude you've been you've been killing it like especially lately
0: ever since he uh put his dog in the ground it's just yeah like, that's that is <laughs>
1: the price to pay frank you gotta pay oh man you okay, just do it yeah you, know, you kill your dog works for you too like if you're if you're if you're having a bad time at work you know your boss is upset at you you're not getting Air what ball. you gotta get done kill your dog kill them! You're going to get a promotion. You're going to get a raise. You're going to get everything you ever wanted in life.
2: We're going to get all kind of flagged from you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. We're going to yeah. get banned.
0: Oh. Coming up on the other side, a very interesting proposal from the NCAA president that could have a, a just be an earthquake to sort of the landscape of college athletics potentially. What exactly is it? What will be the impact? We'll
6: get into that and more. Next. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, we have here on the show, when we're talking about these big picture issues, whether it is uh, paying players, whether it's conference realignment, we have sort of looked into the future about a big breakaway that... know, the power conferences or maybe even not all the power conferences, but certain schools at the power conference level that want to enter into a new world that they would break away from the NCAA rules that prevent them from being able to pay athletes or be able to continue to use more resources. You know that you've got a cap on scholarships, you've got a cap on recruiting days and you're not allowed to, for example, buy tickets to a future opponent and go see them in person. So there's an interesting proposal from the NCAA president, Charlie Baker. There's a couple levels to this. Number one, if division one schools choose to adopt these rules, they would be allowed to enter into the NIL business themselves, that schools are can have NIL deals where the schools would be paying the athletes. There would also be a new subdivision. So we've already got division one split into FBS and FCS. Now within the FBS. There would be another split, a subdivision that would allow schools to create their own rules, rules for recruiting, rules for transfers, rules for roster size and a other wide range of policies. And you would essentially have to buy your way into this division. I mean, this is a country club with an initiation fee where you would have to put money in a trust account for athletes to be able to get your way in. Tom, too, too late, decent idea, but too late. Or do you think that this is going to be something that keeps the NCAA a part of big time for us, big time college football moving forward?
5: Uh,
1: I don't know. I I'm terrified because this is the first time in a long time. The NCAA has done something that I think is proactive instead of just reactive, even though ultimately it's reactive. I think, With new leadership in charge, we're seeing a very different approach to things from the NCAA, whereas for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, something would happen and then we'd all just stare at the NCAA and wait for it to do something. Now, the NCAA is actually trying to figure it out and solve the problem. I don't know if this proposal fixes anything. Ultimately, I don't know if it keeps the Power Five from just breaking off on its own eventually, but I do think that there is a good portion of the Power Five conferences, which, let's be real, they would be the new you know, subdivision of the FBS. Like we already, There already are the Autonomous Five. They do have some rulemaking leeway of their own in the NCAA umbrella as it is. But I do think that if you are a Power Five league, there is some benefit to not completely breaking away on your own and having to legislate yourself and still kind of serving under the NCAA umbrella. So I do think there's a chance that this proposal, although I doubt it'll look exactly like what has been proposed here, does ultimately come to fruition because it does get a lot of lawsuits and Congress off your ass. Like this is basically what has been, you know, people have been calling for for a while now and just the way the sport's going for the schools to try to take control of the situation instead of reacting to every little situation where states are making up the NIL rules depending on each individual state and schools get to play by different rules and so on and so forth. To have just one set of rules that they can determine for themselves I think is a logical end point down the road. Now, how long that is from now, I have no idea. I think this is a reaction
3: to the realization that Congress is not going to bail out the NCAA Mm -hmm.
1: and the
3: courts... The, it California, is not going well for in California
0: are coming like that yeah. that is that is a decision that is coming in early twenty four So like to me, it yes, it is proactive in that it was before the court said that you have to call them employees, but it is very much like clock shot clock running down, and we're just gonna chuck this up. The question is whether or not they hit it.
3: I don't know, Charlie Baker. I, I've never talked to Charlie Baker, uh, so I don't want to claim that I know this. Uh, but sometimes at your job, not this job there's pressure to justify your existence, right? So you have to do something even if it's maybe not like the best thing. I don't think this is a terrible idea. It's a great idea in the NCAA's interest. Is it enough of a solution that it would actually work and long term and stand up to antitrust challenges? I I don't know. I don't practice antitrust law, but I have some doubts there. But if you're Baker and they hired you because of your political connections and you're not getting a damn thing done in Congress, you kind of need to show something to the people who pay your pay your paycheck right so like, hey let's put this proposal forward i'm progressive i'm i'm doing stuff i'm making things happen here that that's my read on this
0: 30, minimum of $30,000 per athlete for at least half of your athletes on an annual basis. Um, the money distributed by schools would be required to follow the Title IX law by equally distributing money to men and women. Um, any NIL payments made from schools to their athletes also subject to Title IX rules. This is not the end of NIL the way that I read it.
2: No, no yes. not at all. That's in addition to, right? Mm -hmm. That's from the school. If they want to have a poster or have Jordan Travis do a promotional signing or something to try to get ticket sales, that he could get money for that. But you'd also have to give it to the soccer player that just won a national championship at Florida State to have her out there doing the same thing or or earning the same money doing it. That's my read on it, right?
0: And if you've got this floor provided by the school, then maybe the collectives aren't having to – do anything but almost like take it back to the old days the collectives aren't going to do the universal basic income thing because the schools handle that collectives only come in for the top dollar specific edition players yep. yeah specific players that you need to get deals for
2: but you could it's it's not capped right they said thirty thousand minimum and you could spend whatever you want as long as it's equal
0: I mean, Iowa would be able to shell out a lot because Caitlin Clark's getting a boatload, but right? I, I do think that the the way that I'm reading it is that because of the, the Title IX and the, the restrictions that would be put in place, you couldn't go it might not be capped specifically, but I don't know if you could go totally lopsided on it.
3: I, we, we definitely don't go out of our way to like bang on women's sports here on this show, but from a business standpoint, I have strong doubts that the long-term solution is paying all the non-revenue sports, anything close to what you pay the two revenue sports, right? Every Everything that proposes anything like that, where like from a revenue standpoint, not in terms of like money to the school, but like directly from TV and ticket sales. So athletics revenue, because schools 1 million percent benefit from having women's sports, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they get better enrollment off it. Like there's a lot of intangibles that actually show up in their, overall university bottom line. So don't take what I'm saying that way. From athletics revenue, ticket sales, TV, it most of your non-revenue athletes are literally that. Like they're costing the school money out of the athletics budget. So I don't ever buy into any system that says, yeah, we're going to pay everybody like they're an employee. Eventually this, the, these schools are say like, that's bad business and we are running a business. So let's figure out a different way. Whether that's like we have private football teams that they license – you know, the University of Georgia's name to use with them so that they're technically an end run. Maybe they're employees of the Big Ten or the SEC. Just anytime I see this, I'm like, all right, how can you untangle this from Title IX? You can't. All right, that's not a long-term solution to me.
0: There is, and look, there is a lot. This is just a, a proposal in advance of a big meeting where they'll be able to talk about this, and he is very much allowing the school's to try to define it. I mean, he's, he's saying, all right, we're going to do this line in the sand and everybody who wants to throw in the money and buy their way in, then you can get there. And guess what? You get to write the rules of what it looks like up there. So, you know, I, the way that I understand it, it is not hard and firm based on Baker's proposal that this is what the system would look like. You know, would the schools try to buy up all of the NIL rights to these players so that collectives don't have that power? Maybe I don't think that would. I don't think that makes sense based on the existing economics in college football in the, in the transfer portal, you know, would all the schools that get in there be able to change the calendar? I mean, we are in the midst of the most hellish time for a college football staff where you're recruiting high school, you're recruiting the transfer portal. You're trying to get yourself ready for the upcoming season and all of it's happening at the same time. Sorry, families, you know, it's, it, it is possible then maybe we start to see changes in the recruiting calendar as well. Those, those to me seem like opportunities for all of the, the schools, the athletic directors, and the coaches who have complained about some of these things and asked for guardrails. What this at least is doing is saying, all right, if you want to buy your way into the club, you get to write your own rules. Now who wants in? They just need all of Division One to vote to allow for that club to be created. Does that seem right? I mean, this is a, a yeah. tough thing yeah. for me to wrap my mind around. I, I want to make you know, same.
3: You're going to have a choice. Okay. Also, the idea that different, like different teams within a conference, will be members of different subdivisions, essentially, does not seem sustainable. No.
1: Right? But I mean, I think that's just going to be like kind of what Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina are talking about in the ACC. Are you guys going to play or no? You know what I mean? It's like, that's yeah. really what it's going to come down to. If they go to a model like this, it's going to be like, do you want to keep doing this? Or do you want to just go join these guys? Have we seen this? Can we, this looks like it's, it's real. Like like I, I follow,
3: um, this is followed by a lot of, like this account's followed by a lot of legitimate people. Have we seen this, this comment by Charles Huff? Yes.
0: No. What is it? The Marshall head coach.
3: So Cassidy Wood, who, I don't know what station she works for. Uh, WOWK 13 News, which is in Charleston, West Virginia. So Fancher, their they're quarterback's in the portal. I mean, this looks real. Right? Like, to-
2: Yeah, no, it, it looks, looks like real. it sounds like he – I think he thinks he was off the record maybe is what it sounds like. like yeah. He's given a very That's blunt what's assessment. What's the quote?
3: Yeah. So Cassidy Wood wrote on Twitter about the Fancher transfer. Uh, Talk to Coach Huff. He says this one doesn't come as a surprise. "Quote: There isn't a lot of money for NIL, and the fans hate him. The kid has been miserable."
0: <laughs> that's a, okay. That's a f- fair assessment. Right? Yeah. No, that is. Yeah. That, it's just, he it, wasn't. We don't get that kind of good. honesty to
3: coaches. It's refreshing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, excuse me. I don't want to say he wasn't good. I haven't crunched the tape, but that was not the reason you thought Marshall was going to score points. It was not the quarterback position. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Ali, the running back, was awesome. Mm-hmm. He's a dynamic player. But when it came to moving the ball down the field through the air, not a whole lot of confidence. Um, so what's next? What do, what do we think? Just if you were to game it out, um, but how do, you, how do you think that sort of this the next reorganization goes?
3: I think the schools are going to be presented with the choice, most likely of, of like, hey, do you want to play at a certain level? And that's important for whoever organizes it to give the schools a choice and some, some predictability as to how much it's going to cost. That that's probably the most important thing. I just I don't know how you square all this and have all the timelines operating to where whatever you propose has to be essentially court proof or likely like not completely blown up by the courts. And there's a lot of competing lawsuits right now. The the house case, obviously, where there, where a lot of athletes uh, could get back in IL and you know, some schools could owe like ten million, uh, is is really important.
2: There's already pushback on the thirty thousand minimum. Like it's only half your athletes is only 7,500 or 75, 7.5 million, 8 million, which is a drop in the bucket. Like it's not enough, mm. you know? So like there's already pushback on the amount. So I think, don't you think we're a ways off from anything oh, yeah. like a couple of years? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like when it, like, I like I said, this is going to, this is going to be a long time for any of this becomes a legit thing. I believe I just, I was shocked that the NCAA, When it came out, it's the first time the NCAA ever did anything to me that felt significantly different, you know what I mean, compared to their normal, just whatever stuff. It was kind of like a, wow, okay, this is not just, it's not a problem. Please, Congress, fix it for us.
0: (laughs) They actually used a whiteboard and erased everything and, like, started writing new ideas instead of Mm -hmm. a chalkboard, the same one that had been in the library since Mm -hmm. 1978 or whatever. Yeah
1: it's like bud you're saying that you know baker's doing the stuff that he has to 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 justify having the job i feel like the last guy didn't do that very often <laughs> he was just like yeah. oh, i don't know we'll see what happens yeah it's almost like they're calling on baker
3: to lead a little bit whereas emmer <laughs> they, they just called upon him to just never take give take bullets the anything.
0: yeah <laughs> meat shield <laughs> yeah so like uh like tom said we are a ways away from this but in the you know if if we as we are about to have a new conference alignment for 2024 that is going to be wild and we as i've said we're going to be right there with you it's going to be a, an exciting and different uh, coll- looking college football season next year and college football and college athletics as a whole is changing too not for next year but uh, but at least a couple years off if this proposal moves forward we'll keep you up to date with more as we continue to learn about it thursday 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We will be back with our Army-Navy locks and questions from the big old bag of mail. And you know what? Cover 3 tailgate's been so good to us. We should, Let's take some questions from the Cover 3 tailgate, too. Does that sound good? I don't know. They seem very depressed lately. No, they're just... They, they are just... There is some very unfair treatment. Very, very unfair treatment of, uh, of Bud and Tanny. All right? Very disappointing. Very disappointing. <laughs> So I I kind of like
3: the hate, man. Like it it, it, kind
0: of fuels me. (laughs) That surprises me, none. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be back Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Army, Navy, locks, and questions from the big old bag of mail. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Blood elliott Three. Follow me at Chip Underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.